here I am at uh, Ode to a Certain Emptiness, uh, trying to investigate what this emptiness is and what these infrastructures are. And I'm most glad um, on the first day to speak to you, Karen Kony, who's with us and who's really been the kind of raison d'etre for me being here in some senses. Um, and uh, I'm most uh, curious, excited to have this conversation and share maybe some journeys, maybe some understandings of how we got here, how we built what we built, etc. It would be nice to start with you telling us a little bit about your journey and, and how, how, how we are coming to do this conversation. Well, thank you, Avli. Um, it's an immense pleasure to um, you know, have this exchange with you. And as I said earlier, you know, it's like a gift to myself. And I have been looking forward to this opportunity for quite a few weeks. Um, unknowingly, in a way, I think I've been looking forward to it for quite a few years. Because the questions that you pose through Conflictorium and what the work does you know, is very, very close to the um, raison d'etre, to use your word, or to, you know, our way of thinking, to our ambitions, to our goals for what we do every day in our life at the very center. Um, so just to give you a bit of um, external context, and of course, Avni, you know this, but um, the very center um, we conceive of our programs as long-term investigations of certain issues and certain ideas. And for the last year and for another year, we're looking at protocols, protocols of engagement, what is actually underlying the way we interact with each other. And part of the, our programs is an um, international prize for art and social justice where a wonderful group of nominators and their position throughout the world works with us, um, identifies core questions, and then brings to us here at the New School suggestions for projects that are relevant to the um, research question of protocols. And then there's an international jury, which in this case was um, chaired by Candice Hopkins, and they, together with faculty feedback and their list center staff, decide on one project that is particularly meaningful um, to the discussions happening here on campus, in the city, and even beyond. So an attempt of this two-year prize initiative is our goal, is always to look very carefully and you know, with humility and knowing that we don't know anything or very much at a project and then bring it to the new, to this context in order to understand it better, in order to um, allow our communities to learn with us about this project. So the prize um, consists of a you know, financial recognition, but also of a exhibition. And that's where we're at, the two of us, <laughs> in a show that's quite um, unconventional and defies any notion of what an exhibition might be. Um, and, and in some senses, uh, very instantly, um, I feel like when you embark on this journey on building this kind of a space that can afford to have long-term conversations, that can afford to have inquiries that, that go beyond 
the event mm-hmm. um i imagine that that is possible when you build some form and some form of an infrastructure around mm-hmm. it that that even becomes possible because of the scaffolding mm-hmm. um i'm actually curious to understand from you mm-hmm. how did that scaffolding for the veralis center evolve mm-hmm. over time was it was it always clear that this is the kind of work that it must do or uh, did it come to be so after being something else mm-hmm. where is the impulse coming from um so you are you know i would certainly agree with you that infrastructures are also facilitators you know, unless they really become <laughs> oppressive and uh, fixed in their ways and can you know and uh, unless we recognize that they need to be changed so the peerless center is part of the new school which is a private university with a distinct history of progressive engagement with community uh, groups i think the new school has always positioned itself as a kind of a civic um, or participant in civic conversations so the accountability towards a public is very much part and ingrained in how we teach and learn and how we present with the scholarship that's happening at the university meaning there's always a public we have an extraordinary range of public programs more than any university in the city so this sense of um going deep and trying to understand and learning but making that always valid and relevant to um in life outside the academy is very much part of the university and certainly of the very least center as well um the university is large 10000 students you know many many faculty members many administrators um and it's a complex and uh, complicated apparatus scaffolding that is dedicated to certain um, initiatives primarily like you know traditional classes or non-traditional classes but credit bearing courses and so on and because it is so large because of its history and to a large extent because of extraordinary faculty there are a lot of um spaces that one can inhabit as a small center within the new school and make them your own and so that's maybe what we've done um, most insistently and or consistently and um most successfully you know kind of try to find those places that are either so scripted that we can produce something that counters them or they are open spaces um that are not necessarily um defined that we um inhabit and use and when i you know, to give you a sense what i'm talking about really is a number of different um programs that we have so sometimes a wonderful exhibition like yours more often it is residencies it's short term performance it's it might be a lecture it might be a panel discussion it's a publication that is available you know somewhere on campus so i see you know the 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 greatest impact we have um, most or the most immediate impact is to gnaw at these infrastructures and change them use them um, move them a little bit or find spaces where we can create our own mm. 
and um, you know existing or molding shaping within an academic structure mm-hmm. um, especially when one is trying to build bridges between academic spaces and uh, maybe community spaces mm-hmm. art spaces um, largely community spaces um, it is a it is a difficult bridge for those conversations to happen um, and that that impulse that this needs to happen that that bridge needs to be crossed or even built first yes. to have those conversations across um, what what is required to build that what what, what with what kind of um, how do you prepare for something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. you're asking wonderful questions Avni and you know it's the questions that I would like to ask you and that you would answer very very well <laughs> so I mean to me it's been maybe most helpful to think of different time frames and you have you know an event coming up two weeks from now and you work to get every all energies and all attention focused on that event and at the same time of course it you wanted to have a more significant impact beyond that evening two weeks from now and so it needs to be part of a longer trajectory mm-hmm. and as you and i find that really interesting as you're both very much in the present as you would say we are also always imagining where we could be or should be or where we'd like to go. And so, you know, it needs both, kind of the care and the focus and attention to the moment. But um, with, the, with the goal and maybe the ambition or the longing or the urgency and the necessity that it, that's not good enough, you know, and that we, want, we are in such a privileged position it's got to be more and it has to last longer than just beyond that one event. So that might be an answer. And then to the question of the bridge, yes, the bridge needs to be built and I feel quite strongly that's one of the many lessons that I learned or take away from the experience of the pandemic um, that has been so completely you know, changing or decisive for us in this part of the world. Mm. I know in many other parts of the world it's different, you know, mm. there are pandemics and have been pandemics for a long time. Anyway, for us it was a complete stop of everything we've done. And what made what it made me realize is just how precious and how complex these encounters are among people. And mm. a panel discussion is lovely, but there is so much more that's also going into a successful exchange than just a wonderful speaker and you know a quiet audience so i would love to be more attentive to these various components of a space and make sure that the bridge is not just solid but that it's really nurturing and has you know facilitates these um, or makes these ex- exchanges more important and richer but it's what you do at conflictorium yeah, I mean, I, I feel like mm, this question of audience and maker mm-hmm. 
I think at the confectorium we also started to realize that that distinction is a um, is not a productive mm-hmm. binary mm-hmm. of saying this is mm-hmm. artist, this is yeah. receiver, or yeah. this is giver and yes. receiver. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that no work or no experience mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. was complete unless both mm-hmm. gave to it yeah. and there was a fissure mm-hmm. that happened yes and 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 that's really where things begin yeah. to move yeah um so i remember at some point within building the conflictorium mm-hmm. uh, we were asking organizational questions right mm-hmm. of who are we what is our identity yeah. who do we want to be yeah. where are we going these mm-hmm. kinds of questions um and there were long disagreements or uh, maybe just uh, like a time of no clarity mm-hmm. on whether mm-hmm. we were an audience focused mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. institution project mm-hmm. or were we a artist focused right. mm-hmm. and after a lot of kind of tension to say that maybe that we're asking the wrong question right Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen mm-hmm. without each other mm-hmm. and so I was remembering a conversation that we had where you were talking about you know what happened like when audiences come to uh, online sessions mm-hmm. and that you wanted to compensate mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. time and their presence yeah. and I thought that was a incredible idea or mm-hmm. it, it changed something mm-hmm. in the way one could think of audiences mm-hmm. yeah it's it's such a simple conceit, but it it was very helpful for me um, to observe how it did change, you know, kind of the framing of our core questions. So, just to um, explain briefly, um, we when COVID happened, you know, all of our programs needed to move online immediately, and we were quite successful in doing that thanks to the team at the Verilis Center. So programming was happening, continued to be happening and was very successful. And we had literally hundreds of people, you know, looking in and line and signing up and so on. What we also um, uh, experienced was that we actually cost us less money. So all of a sudden there were, there was on the one hand, an incredible uh, urgency, people suffering hugely, particularly in the cultural world, and you know, artists no longer teaching and so on, and us um, realizing we actually all of a sudden have resources that we didn't think we had, and that was the initial idea, well let's share it and let's share it with people who need it most and people we have access to is our audience or our public, so for each Zoom event there was a sign-up sheet and it just said, you know, would you, if you would like to receive an honorarium for joining us, please sign up. And the first 10 people got more or less the equivalent of, an, of the honorarium that the speakers got as well. Um, and at, initially, it was, and, you know, the idea was, well, let's share what we have. But then it was really, it, we did certain recognition that the presence and the attention that people pay to our events is as important as... Um, the presentations that the speakers make. And so we're trying to figure out how we can really apply this lesson um, to the whole organization in a more systematic way so that value is monetized, but not only, but it is established in recognition of what makes the Verilis Center what it is. And it's not just the staff, and it's not just the building, and it's not just the history of the new school, and it's not just 
the many, many students that may participate or not. It's all of that together. Um, so I find that a really interesting um, challenge, you know, to figure out what makes us who we are, where are the resources, where is our wealth, where are, what, what can we share, where are we uh, lacking. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a really important experiment to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like for too long we have we have fixed our notions of mm-hmm. uh, what is the role of all these stakeholders yeah. in the larger cultural landscape, mm-hmm. um, and that has for a long time defined the kind of then discourse that is produced or the practice that gets produced and consumed mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like that that I think fundamentally shifts something mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah but I'm also sort of um, I'm also curious because one doesn't as a one doesn't practice or build spaces infrastructures in a vacuum mm-hmm. uh, uh, that one is also deeply aware that one is practicing within a larger landscape uh, with sometimes with collaborators, partners, sometimes with uh, practices that we absolutely disagree with and sometimes have produced our own practice as a counter right. to. Right. Um, uh, and, and sometimes just there are practices that inspire us. So, mm-hmm. so we also operate in that large right. ecosystem. Right. 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 Um, uh, how does that, how does that, what does that do? Like, uh, how do you navigate that ecosystem? Do you uh, disagree loudly? Do you, in, are you inspired quietly? Uh, how do you relate to the larger ecosystem? And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe to begin with, what is that ecosystem that mm-hmm. uh, you are operating? Mm-hmm. The ecosystem, it's, you know, it goes maybe back to the question of scale in terms of temporality, but also reach or you know, size, lo- lo- locality. Um, so, in a way, you know, trying we're trying to be very, very specific and really speak to issues that are important to us that we understand in context that we are part of and implicated in, and so on. And at the same time, there's always this desire to take it elsewhere, to compare it and to evaluate it critically by stepping out of it. So this, the ecosystem that we're part of is you know, New York City, incredibly active, wonderful, thriving, maybe not always thriving, but very, very active um, creative community, artists, art schools, um, lots of nonprofit organizations, um, and then somewhat our unique position, I think, being at a university, but with the complete freedom and license to really be out there in public space and um, take what's happening here, but not only what's happening at the university, and make it available and test it out. Um, so that's always kind of a reference point, you know, not just a small nonprofit doing wonderful work, but always vis-a-vis the larger university with its own academic and scholarly um, pursuits. Um, the, and that distinguishes what we do from other nonprofits and you know similar with similar mandates and uh, similar sizes and so on. 
And then through this prize, um, which was started when the Verla Center turned 20, and it was a moment to reflect on what we had done um, and what you know, previous generation of leaders at the center had done, and to go look further. And so the prize was established to identify a project that, as the saying goes, um, or criteria that advances social justice in its community. Mm. And, of, and it's an international prize. And we work, as I mentioned, with this wonderful group of nominators. It's always a changing number of people or changing group of people. And the whole thing is, you know, it's an interesting um, provocation, but it is absurd. You know, there is, we cannot understand how social justice is arrived at, you know, whether it matters in certain communities that we're not privy to. So try the, the goal or the ambition to say, we, you know, we're going to look at that poses so many challenges that also then um, develop the pro or require certain programming. And the other um, kind of paradox is to you know, look throughout the world and have all these nominators and first they nominate two projects, so 20 projects are brought to the new school, to the faculty and students, and then collectively we narrow it down to ensure that the one project that gets the prize will find a kind of fertile environment here and, you know, classes and students and faculty that actually want to see it and, you know, are invested in it already. Um, anyway, so there are dozens of projects that don't make it. Right. Um, and that also, you know, was done very intentionally to say, okay, this is one project, there are many others. And so we honor the other projects as well and try to, from the get-go, say, you know, it's it's an invitation to think together. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that system of, you know, people who are curatorially active, who are activists, often working outside of the institutions in wherever they may live, also other artists, those voices are very important to us. And so the nominators are much more present than they would be in a regular um, you know, prize um, initiative. So they write essays. We, in non-COVID times, the five finalists get invited to New York and the nominators as well. Sometimes they've never met. So we're trying to really build this network that is then important and active far outside New York City. Mm -hmm. So it's simultaneously, you know, yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned this word really briefly, but I know it's present in a much larger way within the context of uh, the VLC is um, activists or activism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that relationship is also so fraught between, yes. um, between what artists do as extensions of social justice imaginations. Yeah, yeah. And activism yeah um, and sometimes yeah. the two are conflated very easily yeah and and sometimes they feed off each other and uh, but it is a it's a it's a it's a tensed yeah relationship yeah. yes um yeah. but i also know that the vlc takes on that uh the, mm -hmm. takes on that challenge very readily you know, mm -hmm. of of um mm -hmm. i'm curious how how do you how do you navigate that um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that tension mm -hmm. of of uh, sometimes you know as artists 
or artistic practices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wanting to distance themselves from saying this is an activism yeah yeah because the yeah maybe the, the yeah. i don't know what the yeah. burden but the it's 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 a they're then deliverable yeah it's a very kind of uh, yeah large mandate to yeah. stand up to. yeah yeah how yeah. do you experience that yeah so Uh, there's so many ways to approach this incredibly important question so um first of all it's maybe important to say that we as an institution are not an activist institution meaning we're not advocating for specific political goals um on the other hand we're also not an institution that does primarily exhibitions or performances or artistic work a lot of our work is kind of discursive so many a poor artist is invited to speak about their work in a panel discussion and you know that's a discourse around a certain issue and desires and needs and communities and the work is maybe referred to in a slideshow and that's it but it's it's not the actual work so it's very much also the discourse around goals that are embedded in certain projects without them needing to be activist um at the same time of course we also recognize you know as tiny as we are a certain power or maybe it's not even power but just recognizing that you know the moment you have a public you have a certain impact so we very clearly choose to invite positions or artists or projects that are that are aligned with our own values and so without necessarily endorsing a particular political party or whatever it's pretty clear where we sit yeah. um and i think it allows us to be more open you know one could say well if you know if you you know invite proponents of bds why not just sign the bds declaration and i think we are in not going quite that far i think we maintain a somewhat open possibly safe it's an overused word space which is not um uh, prescribed it's not predictable you know there loopholes where you know an unexpected position could be presented at the Verlis center um so it's a desire to maybe not be limited or defined that prevent that makes us less inclined to really say this you know to be more activist um and then i think also and you know we we'll obviously learned from artists you know that not everything needs to be absolutely explicitly um and illustrated you know as please as you said and illustrated it you know if we work with a lot at the moment wonderful collaboration with the center for imagination the borderlands um at asu which was started by natalie diaz and looks at the notion of borderlands particularly from an indigenous lens and you know if we work with the center and have shared artist fellowships and shared programming and beginning on the publications pretty clear how we relate to um uh, you know the attempts by the 
previous in the Trump administration, we hope it's going to change now to um, take over, you know, indigenous lands and and uh, create these horrendous uh, abuses of landscape and nature and have you know transnational pipelines crossing the Dakotas. And yeah, yeah I mean, uh, there, I, I feel like in our work at the Conflictorium also, this has been, um, it's been a recurring question. Or, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, saying on one hand, one cannot do this kind of work without a sense of, community and without relationships with those people who activate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these communities. Mm -hmm. Um, While on the other hand, being very clear that we are not activists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And this constant need from the external world Mm -hmm. to define Mm -hmm. our position Mm -hmm. or what is our role within Mm -hmm. this work. And I often... I mean, for a very long time, it was an externally induced um, existential crisis. Mm-hmm. On okay, um, are we artists? Maybe not completely. Right. Are mm-hmm. we activists? Maybe not right. completely. Right. So right. therefore, right. one inhabits this kind of mm-hmm. middle ground, mm-hmm. uh, which is neither this nor that, mm-hmm. um, which is actually a difficult middle ground to inhabit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because the world works easier when your categories are so yeah, yeah, so clear, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but I also feel you know we use so many platforms. I mean, everyone does these days, and there are different opportunities. Each one, again, you know, an exhibition like this. I mean, it's about as far removed from activism or you know, as as it could be. I mean, there's incredibly beautiful and poetic and philosophical text line, for instance, the gallery walls. Um, and then we have, of course, our social media channel, yeah. and you know we absolutely call for support of uh, cultural workers in Afghanistan, and we're now trying to actually get um, a, a fellowship for um, refugee Afghan uh, artists, together with a lot of other organizations. So um, I think it's also yeah. exciting and possible, you know, to have different modes of engagement more artistic and more really goal or policy oriented depending on which platform you use yeah yeah I mean what what from what you're saying I'm also thinking of um, you know the sometimes to be a formal institution mm-hmm. uh, and and which means that there are protocols embedded mm-hmm. in that formality in a mm-hmm. particular way um, but uh, and to yet make po- yet make possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to constantly open space up for possibility rather than impossibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel like even if even if one can just do that much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make possible mm-hmm. or to easily mm-hmm. say or believe or have the mm-hmm. confidence to say that yeah maybe it's possible right right um, I think that's a that's quite a lot to yeah to do yeah 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a question for you, Rodney, which I um, would love to ask you, which is the the question of place. And um, as you know, 
in recent years, it's been like maybe two years at most, and it's become very much um, the thing to do in New York institutions and in the U.S. in general to recognize through a simple acknowledgement that we are occupying land that we were not invited to, and our you know, the legacy or the descendants of um, and the beneficiaries of settler colonialism. And in this case, I mean, we're sitting here just off Fifth Avenue, we're sitting at a table, which, I mean, there, there's so much to say about space or place. So this table was made in Vietnam, as we saw. The rug was made in India. The aluminum floor, I don't know where it comes from. And then you have, you know, concrete, and then you have the pipes, and eventually you have the soil. The building was built, I don't know um, by whom. I would imagine it being a new school building, hopefully with unionized labor. But so, you know, from above down to the very ground, we are sitting here on something that has a long history that we don't belong to or that we are only inserting ourselves now at this very current moment, last moment. Um, and I think it's, you know, it obviously matters and it affects everything that we do. So I would love to hear from you about the space of conflictorium and where you've been for 10 years. And also interest, I was, I'm so intrigued by the by the, um, these new initiatives where a, a similar museum is built somewhere, or created somewhere else. And could you speak a bit to, to yeah. kind of the specific yeah. place? Yeah, please so make it. it it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, where, where we, when we started off, it wasn't like there was going to be the Museum of Conflict first and as, a, mm-hmm. as an idea, and then we went out looking for space. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There was this building that mm-hmm. we inhabit at the moment, which mm-hmm. is about a hundred-year-old building. Yeah. Um, that was donated to an organization called the Center for Social Justice right. by mm-hmm. a single woman mm-hmm. who never married, had no mm-hmm. children, who was Ahmedabad City's first trained hairstylist, mm-hmm. and who, before uh, passing on, uh, decided to donate it. It was her house. It was her house. She mm-hmm. lived there and she ran her salon there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she donated this building mm-hmm. with just one caveat, mm-hmm. saying something good should happen in this building. Something good. Yes. <laughs> that's it. That's mm-hmm. all she mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I came to this building first through my contact with Center for Social Justice, mm-hmm. um, I think when I entered it, it was a world on it onto itself. Mm-hmm. It had a not only a present life, mm-hmm. but it had a past life that mm-hmm. was so evident within the building mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that her life and her her what she owned still yeah. existed in that yeah. building. The markings of hundred years still existed yeah. from sort of reels of popular videotapes mm-hmm. uh, or through soda bomb bottle like soda bottle bombs that yeah. were hurled across this building oh. <laughs> because there are two communities that I see. that are in conflict with each mm-hmm. other living mm-hmm. on either sides. So mm-hmm. one discovered a whole range of right. uh, of a life of this building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point of time one only asked that question saying, 
I mean, it's a much romanticized question. Yeah. But but the question of okay, what do you want to be? What right. can you be? Right. Or what must you be? Right. In this place. In this yeah. place. Yeah. So it's not like okay, we can we say we have a blueprint of yeah. an idea and mm-hmm. say okay, now this mm-hmm. blueprint must be mapped on to this yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, even if where we are physically located outside this building, mm-hmm. we really inhabit what may be the physical manifestation of conflict of that country. Right. right. Um, yeah. With say the this temple on the right with the dargah on the left mm-hmm. with the CNI church across us mm-hmm. with the city's first polytechnic education college in front of us the district court about 200 meters from our building mm-hmm. with a community that is forced to practice manual scavenging right behind us mm-hmm. uh, yeah course, with this, this yeah. is what I'm talking about in yeah. fact. You know, mm-hmm. that, that is the physical location right. Right. Uh, it is really the melting pot of um, everything that has been unaddressed yeah. that is sort of is boiling mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. located in one location and it's not unique in that sense yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah. that is true yeah. of so many places yeah. Um, yeah. not only in India in that subcontinent yeah. Um, yeah. and so when you inhabit that space mm-hmm. can you not acknowledge that right. Can, can, right. how can we exist without acknowledging right. that or maybe precisely talking about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so then the question of place is that um, do do my aspirations or our collective aspirations mm-hmm. lead us closer to that land or to that place mm-hmm. or move us mm-hmm. further away mm-hmm. from our, our dreams taking us further away yeah. from that mm-hmm. from that space and I think often that that answer is, becomes clearer to us yeah yeah and how do you choose what to focus on? I mean, what you just described, you know, it's such an incredibly rich and conf- you know, conflictual space. I mean, you could really just focus on the court and, and yeah. legal proceedings. But so where, where do you decide or is it a decision my attention or the conflictorum's attention is going to focus on this or this or that? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. We've tried to, we've tried to articulate this maybe mm-hmm. as a template. Saying, mm-hmm. do we have a template? Yeah. Saying, mm-hmm. uh, oh, this is current affairs, mm-hmm. or this is, uh, right. um, or this is what is happening in the neighborhood. Or, mm-hmm. um, it's it, it it doesn't work like that. It right. doesn't work where we have this articulated uh, right. articulated methodology. Right. Right. Um, uh, but it is really an impulse of um, being just really present where yeah. we are, yeah. and invariably um, have a sense of. What is it that we are not talking about mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this moment? So, for example, as we speak today, mm-hmm. um, there is a thematic that is being opened back mm-hmm. uh, at the conflictorium in Ahmedabad called Subjects of Surveillance. Mm-hmm. And I know this is also congruent with what the VLC has been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's just coincidence, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, India at the moment mm-hmm. is uh, witnessing a big unraveling of the levels of surveillance yeah. uh, it's not like it is new yeah. the, the kind of surveillance mm-hmm. and its build up is, yeah. uh, has been continuous mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. I won't say that it's happening now yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been continuous but it, it is um, uh, the unraveling of mm-hmm. its scale and its, mm-hmm. its pervasiveness mm-hmm. is what one a large, what a large section of people are discarding now mm-hmm. now uh, there is unrest about what we believe about surveillance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's not like we as the conductorium know or have a specific position on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still an inquiry for us. How yeah. do we understand this? Right. Um, so I think that has always been important for us, mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. we rarely put out exhibitions or events or talks or performances based on mm-hmm. what we know or have position right. on. Right, right. <laughs> It is precisely what we don't know yeah. about or yeah. we would want to know about. Mm-hmm. So it's important then that every time we choose to do something, we are mm-hmm. in an equal space of vulnerability mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. our knowledge scapes, within mm-hmm. our politics as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to afford uh, to be wrong, mm-hmm. to fail mm-hmm. at what we are attempting to do. Uh, I think the moment we start getting scared of failure, mm-hmm. you know, like for example, um, the this this inherent fear that I sense amongst the larger cultural ecosystem mm-hmm. of being called out, mm-hmm. right. you know, right. Right. There, I sense that there is a right. fear. Right. But uh, where is that fear coming from? Mm-hmm. And is that uh, is that is that making us uh, enter optics mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. more or? Then actually authentically saying, okay, I'm I'm discovering this, and if I go wrong, yes, please hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm smiling because it really sounds very much like how we define our research themes, which then, sorry, <laughs> they go on for about two years, and we really define them as kind of a joint um, learning journey. And that is maybe more easily done at a university where everyone is learning. At the same time, it is unusual that a, that a center would say, okay, protocols is our, is our next topic. We don't know anything about it. Let's look into it. Um, but it's all, as you say, this acknowledgement of vulnerability or ignorance in our case, it also is an invitation, you know, that others could join and... And then it, and these thematic lenses also provide some intersectional entry points into various situations that are all affected by surveillance or protocols. Yeah. yeah. But so going back to the other question about, you know, then doing something incredibly important in Ahmedabad and then you know, getting an invitation to do some things like it somewhere else. Yeah. And you yeah. don't have a template. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think how it was, did you start? Yeah, that? it was quite a challenge, no? And mm-hmm. and I think uh, you were also witness to how many different questions mm-hmm. one asked before, say, arriving at mm-hmm. what we arrived yeah. at here. How mm-hmm. many ideas we had yeah. uh, before, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, all of those ideas are still very much alive, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and. Um, so for us, I think, as far as this particular exhibition or this mm-hmm. moment of coming out of Ahmedabad, mm-hmm. of coming not only out of Ahmedabad, but coming out of the country and the continent and yeah. coming to a completely different yeah. context, yeah. Um, was the question of what is it that we want to say and what is it that we want to hear? Yeah. So it's not only just the question of... Um, of coming here to show mm-hmm. it's also the question of coming here to learn mm-hmm. it's both ways mm-hmm. uh, and I think that there was that kind of clarity you know, mm-hmm. that you enter whatever context to also mm-hmm. to exchange mm-hmm. um, and in that process um, I feel like um, because one is stepping out of the space of our work mm-hmm. 
there has also been some amount of distance. There's also been the ability to reflect on uh, which is precisely what this exhibition is about. Mm -hmm. Is that is that meditation on mm -hmm. how do we how did we do what we did? Mm -hmm. Because we are often uh, we are often there are enough platforms available to us to say what we do. Right. Right. That happens often. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but how do we do what we do? That's important. That's probably as important. Yeah, I have another question, if I may, um, about presence and right about it so beautifully. And here we are, in the two of us, in a space that, you know, again, is scripted through, you know, what happened here before. But then there are also these possibilities or these invitations to think about the future. And I'm, of course, talking about the memory lab. How, how, where do you position yourself? Um, in you know at this moment, or how how do you bring you know the the history of the local embedded in the ground and the fiber and the soil and the noise and the glass, which was sand at some point, into a converse, into a meaningful conversation with um, invitations to leave something for future visitors who haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. And then all of this continuously against this incredible backdrop of here is about you know ten and a half hours ahead of here where we have Fifth Avenue in New York City. So this is like four p.m. This is whatever two a.m. Yeah. And yeah. and all of it coming together also around different notions of sequence or time or order or that probably needs yeah. to be resolved or dissolved. Yeah, um, I don't know, I feel like, um, you know, this sense of uh, time that mm -hmm. we occupy mm -hmm. uh, uh, tends to get so fragmented. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, mm -hmm. I think in the question of understanding um, this very human instinct of being in conflict, mm -hmm. uh, we've all experienced it. Mm -hmm at uh, no comparable scales mm -hmm. uh, we we all understand conflict in some ways within our within our personal spaces sometimes it is magnified based on our identities mm -hmm. sometimes it's really uh, minimized based on our privileges mm -hmm. uh, and there is of course a distinction mm -hmm. um, but um, how does one then ground that experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and translate it into some kind of shareable mm -hmm. set of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, I also feel that um, this, mm, this sense of justice work or mm -hmm. uh, has always, always seems to be working on the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how does one actually first point it inwards mm -hmm. and really start here, mm -hmm. start in the self and start in the I? Mm -hmm. uh, how does one inform? Uh, how does one inform ourselves of what right. is yet to come? Right. right. Um, so I feel like um, while the gallery may have some 
some reflection mm-hmm. on what is the nature of these infrastructures or what mm-hmm. what went into or what goes into building some mm-hmm. but i know that there is a lot more out there um, that one doesn't know mm-hmm. and hopefully there will be enough space mm-hmm. to collect and receive mm-hmm. uh, other meditations that mm-hmm. could be vastly different mm-hmm. sometimes oppositional even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. but but to to somehow make make space for these two things to sit side by side right right you know that's yeah. the other thing that i feel like mm, this question of difference mm-hmm. um, is very very easily uh, translated into binaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that we are on 5th avenue on one side and mirzapur road on the other right, right. right. Um, there is of course difference right. but i don't know whether they are binaries right. Right. and that if within the conflict or very very conflicting ideas can sit next to each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. then maybe mirzapur and 5th avenue can also sit mm-hmm. next to each other mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. could i ask you about another term that you also bring up in these wall texts which is practice you know, to, that one needs to practice being ready So is that when infrastructure is helpful, you know, when you have already the, the wall with whatever, 20 jars, and you know one of them may be filled with something that is, you know, unpleasant or different or not what you expected. So can we, how do we practice for accommodating differences and, and can infrastructures help us to, to do so? I I do feel that uh, I feel like maybe that is precisely the primary role of infrastructures that's why we build them uh, do we and unfortunately we feel exactly at that because infrastructures are in the examples that we have seen mm-hmm. mostly are designed for homogeneity mm-hmm. as as the given mm-hmm. um, and then may and then may be tolerant mm-hmm. or accommodative right, right, of right. the difference right. as a as by chance right. instead of the other way right. around as assuming that we are essentially different yeah uh, meaning this is maybe an axiom that within my context needs to be critiqued in very serious ways i feel like it was celebrated or continues to be celebrated this phrase saying unity in diversity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a phrase that english speaking indians mm-hmm. have held on to for mm-hmm. so long as the as really one of the highest values mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. nation mm-hmm. Uh, But maybe it's also time to recognize how empty mm-hmm. that phrase is when that diversity mm-hmm. is attached to tolerance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that. Our sentence is out of many, one. <laughs> But it doesn't claim they're different, you know. <laughs> But it's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But we, while, while one talks about these infrastructures in ways that makes it sound like it can make things happen, mm-hmm. I think it's also fair to take a moment and say that they also fail sometimes mm-hmm. miserably yeah. and undo things in horrible ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I am also curious about, and this is something I'm curious about, across across practices is mm-hmm. what do we do with our failures? Mm-hmm. How do we live with them? Yeah. I mean, we heard, mm-hmm. How do you live with... Do you identify some of them? And mm-hmm. how do you live with them? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I identified plenty of them. Um, but I think it's also really important that and to recognize that we're always operating in a, you know, in a certain context. So, yes, plenty of failures, which I never experience or, or perform on my own. So what, what I might consider a failure is not necessarily a failure for those who have also worked you know, on the same project. And an example would be, I ran many years ago the Swiss Institute, which is a cultural organization here in New York City, and um, we would do exhibitions and all kinds of cultural programs. And looking back, after having run it for five years, there were so many shows I didn't do, and I thought it would be so interesting to do one last show about everything that I overlooked, that I missed, that I, you know, that I just didn't recognize. And then I thought, you know, that would not be so much fun for the artists who would be in the last show, where, you know, basically she says you were overlooked, sorry, you know. Or what I meant to say is my judgment was totally off and wrong and, and look here how I failed. But it could be read differently. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be an you know, failure vis-à-vis an ambition, but that's your own. So you may not, you know, I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm probably where I'm also heading with this yeah. question of failure is uh, something we have spoken about earlier is this question of perennialty. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, mm-hmm. of um, thinking of. Uh, at least infrastructures tend to present themselves as mm-hmm. permanent. Yes. And, yeah. Um, and therefore, sometimes incapable of recognizing failure yeah. and yeah. very organically molding themselves differently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or undoing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about this dichotomy of permanence versus things ending become some becoming something mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe going back to what we discussed a little earlier, the question of what you know, what is the infrastructure or is it in an organization, what is it made of? And in the end, you know, it is very much also relationships and people and so on. And those change. Um, you know, so I think that might be even in a way to safeguard the institution from becoming um, what is the term? You know, kind of too solidified. If we say the infrastructure of this organization consists of the relationships between the staff and 
our publics and not necessarily on a mission statement or a programmatic um, definition. Yeah. But maybe that's a little vague and <laughs> there are people looking at the video. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah. So I think you can define the core elements of an infrastructure um, as those that are not permanent, and say, you know, these relationships. It's not a building. It's not a programmatic um, direction. And in the way that you work, you just build in spaces for criticality or humor, I think. Mm. Yeah, that escapes us most often, or humor. uh, Or at least that's something that is, uh, that one consciously needs to remind ourselves of the conflictorium. Although there's lots of laughter and lots of joy. joy. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, there's lots of it. But sometimes... um, one has to also remind ourselves mm-hmm. that that is as valuable mm-hmm. uh, as mm-hmm. as self-reflexivity or criticality mm-hmm. or, um, or mm-hmm. rigor mm-hmm. or seriousness. Of, right, right, uh, right, right. That that's not a via medium. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So can I throw the question back at you? You know, at this moment, ten years of conflictorium, <laughs> and you know, celebrated many different places and as you said and I invited you to speak about these achievements so how do you address or come to terms or diffuse expectations that this will go on for a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I I often say that I I hope we don't need the conflictorium Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. soon Mm -hmm. um that uh, we will hopefully our societies will become that those spaces mm-hmm. where conversation is possible, mm-hmm. um, where difference is not translated into violence, and hopefully we become irrelevant because there will be so many spaces mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. even in the work at the conflictorium, I feel like. Uh, there have been in, within the city in the last mm-hmm. 10 years uh, so many small and large spaces mm-hmm. that we now have as peers yeah. which we didn't have yeah. mm-hmm. uh, when we started mm-hmm. who who are doing work who are asking uh, uh, difficult questions or yeah. are addressing this yeah. through, um, through artistic practice yeah. much mm-hmm. more than when we started off yeah and I'm beginning to say very often that uh, maybe we don't need to be a museum of conflict anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to be, that I've said again and again, maybe we need to be a garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my sense is that that kind of space now exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to not recognize that or mm-hmm. to hold on to the fact or to hold on to something saying, oh, this, what we do is only what we do. Right, right. Yeah. Might be overlooking a right. sensitive shift that's already right. beginning to happen. Right. right. And if we don't do that, I think we are, we are headed down a, 
a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Then can I ask you a very pragmatic question, which has to do with, you know, kind of funders or financial resources. So in our case, um, you know, we're supported by a number of foundations and individuals and um, have a little endowment, but basically we're continuously fundraising and, and doing a lot of development work. And it certainly helps to give people a sense that this organization is going to be around, you know, five years from now. And yeah. I'm not sure what would happen if we said, you know, who knows? Yeah. But for now, please support us. Yes. Yes. So how do you do you address that? Or do you, what I do, you know, just develop different narratives and they're not in conflict with each other, but you just emphasize different things. Yeah. But how do you do? <laughs> um, I think we've... Um, uh, uh, tried over time to be as honest as possible mm -hmm. running the risk of not mm -hmm. receiving the funding mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we also are a, a, a completely grant based organization mm -hmm. and we spend a lot of time raising the resources uh, raising the resources that mm -hmm. we need to run mm -hmm. and sometimes uh, not enough yeah. um, and so we are always calibrating Mm -hmm. um, our aspirations based on yeah. what is available to yeah. us. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, um, I know that there is this expectation that we, mm -hmm. we are a reliable right. uh, organization yeah. that that has five-year and ten-year strategic plans with impact measurements in mm -hmm. place. Right, right. right. Uh, but I feel like some of those are pushing us to actually dehumanize ourselves mm -hmm. as an institution. Mm -hmm. That you are your matrix mm -hmm. are greater mm -hmm. than your human side. Mm -hmm. um, which I also take it on to myself when I'm speaking to donors or large mm -hmm. make to that that whole ecosystem that runs parallelly to this. Right, right, but right. to say uh, is it also then a little bit my responsibility yeah. to influence mm -hmm. you yeah. mm -hmm. uh, to look at this differently? Right. Uh, to also somehow not accept this hierarchy right. uh, between donor and right. grantee. Right. Uh, right. Is right. that the only relation? Is right. that the relationship? Right. Or is it a relationship of partnership right. where you have some resources and you can't make happen certain things alone? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's also, it gets further heightened, right? This hierarchy yeah. when the donor comes from yeah. uh, uh, the, the sort of developed world mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and is giving within the majority world. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. that hierarchy is even more yeah. Yeah. pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that really compels a certain consciousness of... Mm -hmm. To choose, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying we always have the choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. feel like that yeah. completely, yeah. and sometimes you you're like, okay, you just held on to what you believe, mm -hmm. and you had to walk out of the door straight away, <laughs> or you never got a response at all because mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. takes that risk? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yes. What is the object that we can talk so about? So you asked me to bring an object. Everyone will bring that represent infrastructure to them. Yes. 
And I, you know, actually without thinking much, immediately grabbed this ball, which is made of clay. It was made by my mom. It has kind of a white area and a black area. And she's done a lot of pottery, and this was just one project. And she um, made quite a few balls like that. It needs a hole so that it can mm-hmm. actually be fired properly. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of ours... Um, came to visit her and she gave him this ball. Um, the friend was Bolek Grzynski, an artist, uh, grew up in Poland and was very active in Argentina, came to New York and created something called the Living Museum, which is a showcase of creative space in Creedmoor Psychiatric Institute in Queens, one of the largest psychiatric institutions in the, in the U.S., and he took over the dining hall, which has a kitchen, and it's been this incredible art space where everyone who lives on in that institution comes and spends time and you know, does work. And Bolek died in 1995 of AIDS, and his friends opened his apartment and said, you know, come and take what you want. And I hadn't even known that my mother had given him this ball. So on a bookshelf, I find this and I I take it. So it's back with me. And I like it because of that trajectory and because it is obviously her hand and presumably Minavolik's hand as well. Um, It's also, you know, it's just clay, so it's soil. And then that museum was very, very special. And for me personally, very important institution and I think for many other people as well. So... I figured it, you know, it spoke of infrastructure as institution building, but also as a work that goes through generations yeah. and that's very manual. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that it has, um, that infrastructures are also built on foundations of memory. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. what we remember and yeah. how we want to remember yeah. ahead. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for so, that. Thank you. Avni, do you mind saying a few words about your expectations for being here and the conversations? I mean, you already did, but, uh, you know, two weeks from now, what what do you think will it be like? Um, I... I actually am thinking of this as as research, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as also uh, also a way of coming out of the isolation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it takes to build forms of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly lonely place to be in, mm-hmm. or it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, it is a collective endeavor. Mm-hmm. On the other, it is... Uh, you one does it, one finds loneliness. And, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that in the next two weeks, there are encounters that uh, can really build that inquiry together mm-hmm. uh, so that these 10 reflections can actually become maybe 120. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That... Um, that one will be able to learn and find mm-hmm. the energy mm-hmm. to carry on as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. from the work of 
other people who mm-hmm. in, who engage precisely in this work of building infrastructures of different kinds mm-hmm. um, it's very significant and beautifully said that we come out of in, of isolation in order to have you know, these very private conversations <laughs> actually of course they'll be available to others as well but it's not what one would expect you know at the end of isolation you would think a party or something. <laughs> and you know, hopefully that's in the future too <laughs> hopefully uh, but I think uh, coming out of isolation also needs to be slower yeah it's also nice to be able to hear intimately mm-hmm. um, because I, what I also imagine is that I don't know tell me if it's true or not or if it's just an assumption that there is some amount of loneliness around this thinking mm-hmm. around this mm-hmm. I don't know whether I don't know whether it's resonant with the people that I may be speaking to also mm-hmm. 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 so uh, yeah uh, some intimacy and then the party <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and Greetings to the conflictorial team. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for this conversation. Thank, Thank you. you. It's really an enormous pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>